Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We are an Acts 2.42 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through his word and by his spirit. So, um, yeah, so I've not been, been here to speak to you for a long time, uh, three months or so, uh, because we had a baby. So uh, we had baby Hope, um, which we do sing baby Hope, to do, 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 do baby Hope. That's what happens in our house now. You know, you know what it's like when you like, you know, things just get, everything's a song, in it? Like when you don't, please don't poo again, that's a song. Just repeatedly, just anything you want, it just is, yeah, who knew? But anyway, but because we've got baby Hope, and I'm going to be speaking on our eternal hope, she may well feature. Just, uh, just, just bear that in mind. She will forgive me. And so um, she might not, but she won't know. Uh, right, so before we do so, I'm going to talk about um, a time. There's certain times in life where maybe like, you know where you are when somebody says something to you. Maybe it's like a, a profound statement or a question or when someone says something, it could be something absolutely ridiculous. The young people will know that I have a friend, Mark. And sometimes when Mark does a stupid thing, I think, thank you, that is going to stay with me forever. So like Mark has helped our young people out. I'm not saying they've, he's helped them to know Jesus. He's helped me to keep their interest, I think. And I think that's fair enough. Mark is a wonderful man with a lot of strange behaviors. And so, uh, yeah, he once, in his best man speech, did a toast to, no, not his best man speech, in his own wedding, to the tasty bridesmaids. He said, I'm supposed to say the bridesmaids look nice, so to the tasty bridesmaids. And we went, oh, no, oh, no, we cannot toast that because we can see Kathy's face. And so we're like, no, no. So good old Mark. So most times a Mark says something, I remember it. But other times, things might kind of happen. And, and this is uh, a pub quiz that I do sometimes with my family and um, yeah, my, I think my parents are smart, right? I, that's, that's what I would have previously thought. And so, went to this pub quiz, thought we're going to do really well. That was what I just expected. Smart people were just going to ace this. Uh, and then this guy in yellow, by the way, my dad was the, not the guy in yellow. He's the very old guy. He had me when he was 50. Uh, my mum was not 50. She was 25. Scandal. That's right. That's right. Uh, young people, you cannot date a man 25 years younger than yourself, uh, older than yourself or younger than yourself. Uh, we, will, we will stop that. But anyway, something good came from it, right? <laughs> something good came from it. So it's all, it's all right now. It's a different time. It's a different time. Um, still wasn't all right. And so, right, anyway. So anyway, so that is the old one. That doesn't really matter. So we're in this pub quiz. And so I've got my mum and my dad who are smart. And then the guy in the yellow who's firing out all these answers. And I'm like, oh, we're going we're gonna to win this. And they start reading out the list of teams. And we are second last. And I was like, how has this happened? Turns out Simon is supremely confident, but not as smart as he thinks he is. He just, he really, he was got every answer straight down there. Yep, it's this. Oh, wow, we're going to be absolutely amazing. Nope doesn't know all that stuff, but fair play to him for the confidence. But anyway, so I was at the bar, just once I'd realized we were a bad team, I just was like, well, I'll take my parents, we'll have a lovely time, and we'll lose. It'll be a humbling experience for us, that's something to do with your Thursdays. And so I was at the bar, getting everybody a drink, and then this woman turned to me, and she said, what are you hopeful for? I was like, what? And she said, like, what are you hopeful for? 
And I just looked, and I was like, I don't know who this woman is. And I was like, is this an angel, Lord? Did I poke her in the face? What's the, what's the etiquette around an angel? Who are like, am I shaking hands? Am I? And it turns out I forgot I had a T-shirt on that, which said, like, we will be the hopeful on the back. And it was like a charity T-shirt. And I was like, oh, it made a bit more sense. But it stuck with me, like, what are you hopeful for? Like, what are we hopeful for? Because everybody in the world is hoping for some stuff. But hopefully we're going to see that the hope that we carry as Christians is different. Like, we can hope for some of the same stuff. You know, like, Lucas is in London hoping that his team win. That's absolutely valid. There's nothing wrong with that, apart from how his team was funded with, you know. But, like, don't worry about, you know, some of you know the story. And so uh, it's fine. But, like, hoping for things, hoping for a promotion, these are okay things. But they're not the things that we build our life on. They're not the Christian hope that we have. And so... A really good book, if you're kind of thinking, what, what is this? We, I was reading this book by Tom Wright called Surprised by Hope, and he talks about the Christian hope being one that one day that heaven and earth will come together, that dead will be raised, and we will all be together with Jesus. But as well as that, we're going to also have this hope that means our lives can change here and now, that something inside of us can be renewed. Those broken pieces, those, those things that are flawed, God can renew them here and now. And one day, he will renew our bodies and all the frailties that we have. But right here, right now, we can be new and different creations. And that's what we're going to look at uh, today. So the first verse that we're going to touch on um, is, well, we'll get to the creed in a second. I'll do the verse first. Is that in 1 Peter 1, verses 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And it's those two things that we want to talk about as our hope. A living hope that actually because Jesus rose from the dead, actually we have power over death and sin can have no hold on us anymore. That all the mistakes that we made... Uh, at some point, Nick would have talked about forgiveness. Like We can be forgiven from all those things. No matter how bad they are, we can have that hope because of Jesus. Not because we're good enough and we can repay it, but we can have an ultimate hope that we have that inheritance that we will be with him forever. So we're going to talk about those two elements. So we're going to see, we're talking about the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. So we're going to look at why does the resurrection matter of Jesus and then how does that lead to life everlasting uh, and stuff from there. So if we look at the kind of resurrection passages uh, in John chapter 20. And so John chapter 20 verses 11 uh, to 23. It says uh, that Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white. Seated where Jesus' body had been. One at the head and the other at the foot. They asked a woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me because I've not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them 
and said, Peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And so it's those passages that we're going to be kind of looking at uh, from kind of the, the Bible. And we don't really think about the resurrection as much until Easter Sunday, I think. I've been kind of chatting to youth over the last few months and say, tell me some stuff about Jesus, some stuff about his life. And it tends to be that you kind of get the big miracles, you tend to get the healings, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, people will talk about the cross and the kind of resurrection it takes a little while to get there because we believe it. And I don't want you to think our young people do not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. We're doing an all right job, trust me. But they do believe that. But it's not necessarily something we think about as often because we think, okay, I know that. But what can I do with that? Like, and so it is difficult. And we're going to look at some of those verses and how they really matter to us. And so as we do, we're going to look at hope and what, how it is to have that eternal hope. And so Bear in mind, we're going to base this around some things about Hope Della. The first thing about Hope Della is hope is not normal. Let me tell you right now, Hope Della is very much not normal. And so a couple of reasons why not. Firstly, she's already like a Jason Bourne-esque. She's got two passports. So already she's a next level. We had to take her down to London. I think we told some of you here. We took her down to London. I feel I need to point out she has, of those two passports... One, her dad took the picture, and one, her mum took the picture. And so, like, you know, you've all judged which one that is, haven't you? Like, uh, that's, that's, outrageous, that's outrageous judgment of you. Be prepared. No, you're right. I took the one on the left because I just, we needed a passport. And they said, you don't have to have your eyes open. And there's only so long you can stand on your double bed over your baby taking a picture without her getting really intimidated. And she was like, ah! I was like, that'll do. That'll do. So, in her English passport, she's got that till she's five. So she's going to be looking like that till she's five. And then in the American passport, and somehow Lindsay had to go into one of them booths you get in Sainsbury's, and she had to, like, hold her up so she couldn't be in there herself. And, like, like in Lion King, I've never seen it, but I've heard about it. And so, uh, so like, so and I'm never watching Lion King, Sarah Dewhurst. You can hold me to that on my deathbed. That'll be my final words. And so... Um, yeah, and so somehow in all of that like Lion King moment, she's got this like model pose, like, oh, I'm real happy to be American. So like, yeah, so well done. So yeah, so that's uh, that's hope. So she's a uh, she's a dual threat for us all there. So there we are in uh, the American embassy, uh, just thinking, don't make jokes. If you if you if there's anywhere to not make jokes, it's a U.S. embassy. They're very serious. Just don't make jokes. Don't get her banned from the country. So it was all good. We got in there, so it was fine. But I think. This is probably the weirdest thing about being a... I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff about being... If you're not... There's a lot of weird stuff. This is the weirdest thing, I think. Now, I assume some of you... Does anyone know what that is? Oh, yeah. Like, it is... Yeah. So that sort of weird rocket thing that you put up the nose of a child. And then on the other end, you've got a little mouthpiece thing. And that's right, you suck the bogeys out. You suck the bogeys out of a child. That seems odd, doesn't it? It seems weird. There is a filter. You don't have to, like, they don't come all the way down. And you're not, like, swallowing them or, like, sitting, spitting out seeds. It's not that. There, it stops it halfway through. It's still not normal. It's still not normal. It's enjoyable. It's not normal. I mean, it's enjoyable because Lindsay does it more often than I do. All right, it's enjoyable to watch. And so sometimes you have to really give it beans. And maybe you're not trying hard enough. And so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a very strange thing. So, yeah, having hope is not normal. And so... Um, 
yeah, there are kind of, there are areas of hope in this world that are completely normal. Like hoping for good stuff to happen is completely normal. Nothing wrong with that. The world out there definitely hopes for good stuff. Promotions, we hope to see people next week. We hope to be well. All these kind of completely normal things, you know, and we maybe hope we do well in our jobs or anything like that. And sometimes, maybe previously, we've hoped that we have good leaders and good politicians that can guide our country well. But the problem is, if your hope is in all of those things, it's not going to be able to sustain itself because they cannot hold the hope of who we actually are. They cannot hold our identity because sooner or later, if my identity is in what I can do, I'm going to fail. And if that's going to destroy me, if my hope is built on what I can do, it's never going to work. If my hope is built on only good things happening, it's never going to work because good things are not always going to happen. See you later, Hope. And so, um, so she, to be fair to Hope, this is the third time she's heard it. She's done well. And so she's like, it's the same stuff, that, isn't it, Dad? Yeah, right. Sorry, Hope. Uh, You've got a re- very repetitive life living with me coming up, Hope, so just get used to that. And so, and if we, obviously, if we put hope in our politicians, I think we all know it's going to get a little bit disappointed. And I think what happens then is if we put our hope in the wrong things, then we get disappointed, and then we get a little bit jaded, and we get a little bit cynical. And we get a little bit burnt out and we just think, instead of actually putting our hope in the right stuff, we just think, well, I don't want to have hope anymore because hope disappointed me and therefore it's easy to be cynical. And so, you know, young people, what you'll see is old people, as we get older, we kind of go, oh, wasn't life a bit better in the olden days? And probably wasn't. Like, you know, I've heard some people go, oh, computers were better in the old days. If there's anything you can't suggest, it's the computers were better in the old days. They had like one line graphics and go, oh, yeah, but let me tell you, you could play with that line forever. It's terrorism. <laughs> Nonsense. Like, and so, but it's really easy to be cynical in this world. And there's a guy called Paul Ferry, and he's writing this book about kind of people's cynical ideas and how actually every generation as you get a bit old says the same thing about the generation coming up and he has chapters and he's gone through newspaper articles basically since the start of them being published and how the same complaints there all the time so he's got chapters on no one wants to work anymore young people these days the art of conversation is dead school is too easy kids are too soft today and one that I think some of us will fall into Music these days isn't any good. And I know some of you will be like, yeah, but music these days isn't any good, Dale. Let me tell you, you're in good company because people have said music these days isn't any good in the following years. 2024, 2022, 2000, 1994, 1988, 1982, 1971, 1970, 1965, 1958, 1932, 1927, 1920, 1919, and 1906. Uh, so next time your parents said, oh, your music these days is bad. So, oh, they were saying that in 1906. Come on, granddad. And so he'll be like, be better. Be better than that. And so we can be better than that. We don't have to be that cynical. But it's so easy for the world to grind us down and to go, oh, things are hard. And it's easy, it's easy to lose that hope. But we've just prayed in the Lord's Prayer, God, your kingdom come and your will be done. And a key part of the hope that we have is that God's kingdom can come here and now as we live, that lives can be transformed, that his hope can reign even where it seems like a hopeless situation. And so, like, um, yeah, we're going to read Romans 15, 13. This is a real verse that's important to kind of, I think, to cling to sometimes. And it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And God, we need you to do it. And we like, we can't, I can't wake up tomorrow and just go, I'm just going to be dead hopeful. I need the Holy Spirit to overshadow me and fill me so that I may overflow with hope. Because we can't just have hope in these four walls on a Sunday. You know, tomorrow, mo- most of us are going to go to different places. That's, uh, that is hope, turning up to the University of Liverpool where I work. That's right, on my paternity leave, I tuck her in. And so uh, that's, she's got to get used to it. And so we went in and we went to see everybody. But actually, I need to go in tomorrow, not with an attitude of, oh man, but some of these kids like, are just going to ask me the same question as I've already answered in lecture a hundred times. Of course, they, and they are going to do that. Like, there's no doubt about that. Let me tell you, they are going to ask me those questions. You know, like, it's going to happen. And so I can either be like, oh, no one listens anymore. Or I can say, God, will you just help me? I want to overflow a hope because I want to know that if I and this, another lecturer are Christians in this place, we need to be different. We don't want to just have the same old, same old attitude. We want to carry the hope that actually we have renewed lives and that makes us different to how we used to be. And so we want to be those people. But holding on to that kind of hope is difficult. And believe it or not, Hope Della can be difficult. I know, I know you're thinking she isn't. But let me tell you, she can be, right? She can be. She can be. That's going to just repeat that. That's just on a gift. That's looping, isn't it? That's just going to... Oh, it's not looping. Oh, this morning it was looping. Uh, I was wondering how long I could keep that going for. I'll just, get, I'll just keep going backwards and forwards. So, uh, yeah, it was really good in Orford. I could tell it hadn't moved on because people kept reacting. I was like, I'm just going to let that go and I'm just going to leave that going. But, oh, there we go. Lovely stuff. Anyway, so hope is difficult. Uh, so here it is. It is still going. I need to move on, don't I? So I know you think, oh, this isn't she sweet. She'll never do anything. But, you know, being a parent is difficult. I'll get to the Lego movie in a second. Like, I genuinely thought I was going to be a lot better at it than I am. Because I thought being a parent, right, is the most difficult thing that loads of people have done. So you think, oh, loads of people have done that. I'll probably be all right, won't I? Oh, it's rock hard, isn't it? It's just so hard. It's so hard, and let's be honest, it's not always fun, is it? It's not always fun. Some days you just work out and go, life's a bit worse, isn't it? It's just a bit worse than it used to be, and I feel terrible for saying it, but that's what it feels like some days. Like, oh, man, do you remember when life was easier and we could just do whatever we wanted? And so that is a thing. And so sometimes in life, holding on to kind of hope is difficult. You know, because life hasn't always given us this nice day where we had loads of sleep and it's all gone our way. And so, like, yeah, this is, this is to represent my friend Callum. My friend Callum's into, like, Lego and he's into movies. Now, let me tell you, that sounds like he should like the Lego movie. Feels like a great combination. I said, Callum, do you like the Lego movie? Because it's really good. I enjoyed the Lego movie. It's very funny. He said, I had to walk out halfway through. So. What big moral problem have you got with the Lego movie? And he was like, well, the thing is, Dale, the thing with Lego is it's all about building your own way. You've got to be creative. And the Lego movie was all about building to a plan and a structure. I said, Callum, like, just to let you know, the end of the movie is that you're supposed to build creatively in your own way. But that's how movies work, Callum. Like, they tend to take you through on a bit of a journey where things are difficult and then at the end, it resolves. All right, just to let you know how a movie works. So we've got a little section called Callum's Movie Hour because he tends to give up on movies if they're not just feel good after an hour. So I'm going to tell you the stories of Callum's movies, and you have to work out what movie this is. So according to Callum, an accountant goes to prison and stays there. That's the end of the movie. That is the Shawshank Redemption. If Callum went to that movie, he'd be like, that was a bit miserable, wasn't it? Like, just a guy went to a prison. 
cool. Uh, the, the son of a single father is taken and kept as a prisoner in a foreign land. Finding Nemo, he's already seen this. Ah, oh, gag that lad. Gag him. Fair play to him. Like, he must think finding Nemo's a horror. Like, it's like this kid just gets kidnapped. The end. Like, what kind of kid's movie is that? Callum, you've got to watch the end. That's not how it works. Right. Three men get stranded in the middle of nowhere without enough resources to get home. Oh, now we're getting tricky. Yeah, that's right, Adam. Apollo 13. Look at that. I should have told you they were in space, but I thought you didn't need it. Right. And this is it, Lim. No one's got this yet. No one's got this. Uh, a young farmer's dreams of enlisting in the military end in order to help out with the family business. He's halfway through the movie. Two billion people die is an extra clue. A lot of people. And that's, you know, that's, that's how Callum sees the movie. No? No one's ever got it. No one ever will. Star Wars, that's clearly Star Wars. Of course it is. Of course, that was Lindsay's idea. That is fair enough. But like, Callum must hate movies. Because halfway through, he just thinks they all end terribly, right? And it's easy to mock Callum and write to do so. But we can so easily do that with life. You know, like, if we think about, we've just read... John chapter 20, which is the passages on the resurrection. But that's all right, because we know that that bit's there. But if you'd have just read John 18 and 19 for the first time, and you didn't know the story. If you were just kind of coming in cold and read the Bible, John 18, you have Peter who's denied Christ, one of the big main disciples, and he's just kind of gone, no, I don't know this guy, I don't know this guy, leave me alone. So that's the guy who's going to lead the church, and he's scared. One of the disciples has betrayed Jesus. Loads of them have just scattered away, and in John 19, Jesus goes to the cross and he dies. So if you didn't know that story, you'd be like, this is all over. It's a failed revolution. It's all gone wrong. Oh, you know, and that's where we jump into the verses that we've read, because it's important to think, how must those people have been? Like, Jesus had told them he was going to raise from the dead, but they didn't really get it very often, and they were still a little bit confused and so John 20, if we, I won't read the whole thing again, but Mary's there and she goes to the tomb and it basically says she stood outside the tomb crying. That's not a woman who stood outside waiting for Jesus to be raised. It's a woman who's mourning and she's sad and she's thinking, man, I don't really know what to make of this. But as it goes on, you'll see it towards the end when she finds out what's happened, she goes to the disciples and says, I've seen the Lord and she's turned that sadness into joy. And so the first person that knew that Jesus had raised from the dead was a woman with a past. You know, and I remember reading in a book somebody saying that God puts his hope in some strange places. You know, and I don't know about you, but I feel sometimes like, man, God, you could put your hope in a lot of better people, a lot of better Christians, a lot of smarter people. And sometimes when I think I'm not good enough, I'm just reminded that God puts his hope in strange places, in flawed people, that we might carry that out to a world and actually show them that things can be different. And so we've got Mary, this person with a reputation who doesn't quite get it, and she has this joy. And we have the disciples. If anybody should be able to get it, it's the disciples. And again, they're not waiting for Jesus to be raised from the dead. It tells us there were, the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. So they've come together, and they're afraid. And Jesus, and this would, be, this would probably make you a little bit more afraid, Jesus came and stood amongst them through the locked doors. So I just imagine Jesus comes in, and says, peace be with you. I like to think Jesus comes through those walls and goes, all right, 
And they all go, oh, oh, what's happening here? Oh, Jesus, don't do that to me. And like, so they're just terrified. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes in and he's so gracious, it says he shows them his hands and his side. And they were overjoyed. And then all of a sudden he says, peace be with you. And he blows the Holy Spirit on them and it makes them new. And so many of us probably know what it is halfway through our story to think, oh yeah, but God, I'm done. I am done. Like, this is too hard. I've messed it up, and I'm just not capable. And I could tell you that time after time after time, as I've been preparing this, I was thinking of like probably 20 different cities and countries in this world where I was thinking, God, I just think I'm done. And somehow I've known that he's with me. Whether he's there as a father, as a friend, whether he's there to forgive me, whether he's there to tell me he loves me, just time and time and time again, when I'm like, God, I just think it's done. And then somehow he gives that peace that tells me it's not the end of our story and it's not going to be the end. And we had um, a men's breakfast last week in, uh, in Life Church on a morning. And uh, yeah, when we started Life Church many, many years ago, there were six men, I think, started Life Church. And so there was 100 men there on Saturday. And it's not just about numbers, you know, but the fact is, when you looked around those 100 men, there were stories on stories of people who'd been through stuff, people who were still going through stuff, but they were determining to say, but that God has put something in me that is different. And even though this is hard, I am not quitting and my life is not done because there is a hope that is in me that's bigger than that. And so the final thing, and this is one that when I first started dating Lindsay, it was a phrase that I used quite a lot because I because I'm a football fan, and she hates it, because it's not very American, and I'd be like, oh, don't get your hopes up, you know what it is, it's the hope that kills you, she was like, what is that, because in America, they don't believe that, they believe in being the best, right, so like, do you mean it's the hope that kills you, we will destroy you, like, <laughs> I don't understand, this does not compute, if there is a sporting contest, we shall win, and so, uh, but I'm like, I'm a Grimsby Town fan, so I was like, oh, don't get your hopes up, because they'll only just destroy you, you know, like, so as as Lindsay moved to England, she had to adopt a lot of stuff. She had to adopt a lot of young people. And she did have to adopt being a Grimsby Town fan. And so, uh, you know, some things she enjoys adopting more than others, it's fair to say. And so there was a year, two years ago, and we, we, had, we made a movie about it. This is uh, how rare it is, where things actually went quite well for Grimsby. Like two years ago, we were in the same division as Wrexham. Now, Wrexham, another bit of a kind of tough town, had a rough time. But they've been bought out by a Hollywood owner, you know, who's in loads of movies and who spent loads of millions of pounds on the best players. And he did a feel-good story so much that he made a TV show on it. What he didn't think was his TV show would end by getting beat by Grimsby. That was not the story. That's not the story. Tell me on my side of the story, it was a lot of fun. Oh, my side of the story. Our chairman's not a Hollywood man. He's a butcher. He makes his money in pies and sausages. Exactly how it should be. And so, like, exactly right. And so... But the thing is, I've been kind of conditioned growing up in a town where, like, the industry had died out. Like, and actually, I grew up in a council estate where nobody really thought you'd make anything of it. And it was like, don't get your hopes up. Don't get cocky, kid. And it was this kind of like, don't do it. And actually, there's a something that's okay about that when it's saying, don't put your hope in these things. But actually, it's telling you this message that things can't change. And that's so not the message that Jesus would have for all of us. He would say, actually, things can change. There's, I drive past this building every day that I go to work in Liverpool. So on the road in, this big old building that used to employ thousands of people. 
And it keeps, they've said for years and years and years, it's going to get restored, it's going to get restored, it's going to get restored. And it's going to look like this, apparently. I mean, that would be amazing. Like, that's an impressive transformation, right? It's going to become that. And after a while, when you drive past it, day in, day out, year in, year out, you think it's not going to happen, though, is it? It's not going to happen, this. Because I see the graffiti. I see it getting more damaged. It's not going to happen. And so you think, well, maybe. Maybe that's just a grand plan, and it's not going to happen. And we kind of apply that to our lives. Like, well, I know God tells me he'll restore me and he'll forgive me, but I just don't feel it and I don't see it. And it's so easy to apply that. Like, and so let me tell you, this week I drove past that and there's construction work. Things are happening. They're starting to actually do some work. So even the cynical, this will never happen. Even the Council of Liverpool can make things happen. Let me tell you, God is better than the Council of Liverpool. He is. He is. You know, I'll tell you that. And so, like... Lucas used to say in the early days of Life Church that we should be the happiest people in the world. Not because life is easy, but because actually death has been defeated. And if death has been defeated, it should look like it. You know, it should look different to us and different in our lives. Like Mary, when she found out that Jesus arose from the dead, she was joyful. She was bowled over. You know, the disciples, they were terrified. And then all of a sudden, they were able to stand up in front of thousands of people and say, hey, let me tell you about this Jesus. And it changed the world around them. And so I guess my, we're going to get to the final hope in the verses in a second. But really, of all of the things, I think this verse is kind of, yeah, pretty much the prayer that I would have for us. And it's definitely the prayer that I have for the young people all the time. And it says that, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the, ho- the hope to which he has called you, the riches of inglorious inheritance in his holy people. And it's that that you might know it. Not because we've told you, not because you're like, oh, yeah, I guess. But something in you just knows it. And I think that's the thing is, like, as a teenage kid, there were so many times where I'd be like, God, can I put my trust in you? Can I really put my trust in you? Because it just feels too good to be true. And it doesn't seem to match what I see from all the other Christians that are older than me in this church. Can I trust you? And over time, I've gone, man, it's been the greatest decision. I can put my trust in him. And I somehow know that there is a hope in me that he has put in there. And that only through him, not because of any work and not because of any of that. And our hope is that you would know it. And, you know, and that might be that one day you just are reading the Bible and you just have this sense that he's with you. But it might be that you need people to pray with you. And as, you, as they pray with you, there's something goes on where God does what only God can do. And he fills us and he ha- gives us this understanding and this this knowledge that we might know who he is for ourselves. And so the final verses that we've got, we talked about that God can change our lives here and now, but we talked about the fact that we have an inheritance forever. And Revelation 21, it tells us the end of our story. We might well feel in the middle of our story where it's all a bit chaotic and a bit confusing. But let me tell you, the end of our story is this. It says, um, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed as her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. You know, like, I believe that God can heal physical bodies, absolutely, but I also know 
that we are going to pass on from this world. Our bodies will run out. They will not last forever until they are resurrected and renewed by God. And then we will have no pain. Then I will have a new knee. And then we will be very excited. And we will have that forever. And so what I want to do is I want to just pray, but I'm going to read these verses again, just the second half of them. And I just want you to close your eyes and put yourself in among them. And so where it says them and, you know, they, I want you to just think about yourself. Just think about you and imagine you being in these places. And so it says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. So he will dwell with you. They will be his people. So that is you will be his people and God himself will be with you and will be your God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. So God, I thank you that, yeah, you know the end of our story. And God, in so many ways, we feel so often in the middle of it where it is chaotic and confusing and it is difficult. God, I pray that you would help us to know that hope just as you showed your scars to the disciples and they knew they could trust you. God, I pray that you would help us to trust you with all that we are, to not look to other things, but to know that hope that can only come from you. So Holy Spirit, in this ordinary place in an ordinary town, would you fill us that we might be different as we go out of here, as we go into our worlds tomorrow, that we have a hope that is not normal and a hope that is based on what only you can give and that can transform even the most broken of lives. Would you do that in us, we pray. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Please keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.livechurchwarrington.com.